Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a little bit warm. This guy is good, huh? He's amazing. Well, you know, we, um, one of my core values of my life is that I'm committed to change. And I want you to know that I am. And uh, I'm committed to God changing me in, every, in any area of my life and anything that we do. And as we come together today, uh, a little bit earlier in the morning, as I was praying and about this service and what God wanted to do, just felt like a little bit of a, a challenge to disrupt the norm here. And so I'm going to ask Jacob and Daniela to come forward. We're going to do the baby dedications in a minute, which were scheduled at this time, but I'm going to ask them to come up just themselves in this moment. Come on and join me up here on the platform, guys. So the reason I'm asking them to come forward, there's a few reasons, but one of the main reasons I'm asking them to come forward is, you know, we've been talking about the fact that, um, sorry guys, let me uh, fix myself up here because this wasn't planned. So if you guys would turn towards one another right there, so you stand right here, but I want you on this side of me. Danielle, you turn to him, step right here, put your hands together. Okay, folks. So as I share with you, since June 20th, Father's Day of this year, God gave us a message, all of us a message, about what it means to be men and women of God, to live together in the covenant of marriage, to have understanding of what real relationships are about and what sexuality means and all those things. If you didn't hear that, you're welcome to look at that online. We have those available. Since that service, the Holy Spirit has been moving in our church and people were open and receptive to what God was challenging us with. And right here, right now, this will be the 10th wedding that takes place since that moment. Amen. <laughs> now, if you were here last week, you know, we baptized these guys. Uh, you know, it was last week or was that? Well, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> See how time goes, you know. And today, um, as they're coming here, um, again, just God's timing on things as we were texting and talking to one another about a wedding. We were planning on doing this after the service today, and they have dedication of children that they're going to bring here in just a moment. And I said, you know, just feel like it would be great for you guys to get married prior to that dedication. And they could come together. Yeah. <laughs> As husband and wife to present their kids to the Lord. And so unplanned, unprepared in this moment. I'm texting them, and like, here we are. Let's do this. Went over there and talked to them at coffee there just before the service. Like, how about it? They're all in. So here you go, guys. We're going to do this because I believe the church needs to be a part of this in this respect. Like, when the Spirit of God asks us to do something and we act in obedience, it's so critically important for us to do that. Whatever the Holy Spirit is talking to us about, our obedience is critical. And so in each of these weddings that we have performed since that day, I can tell you that the Spirit of God has been amazingly present, incredible, when it's only four of us in the room, or if there were 20 of us in the room, or whatever we got here today and those that are online. The Holy Spirit is faithful, and He's so present because He is honoring our obedience to Him. And so, Jacob, I want to tell you something, brother. What we have in God's Word 
It is one of the greatest challenges you'll ever face in your life right here. I want you to hear me and hear it well because it's from God's word. He says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. There is no greater challenge, brother. Hey, every man out there, if you're a husband or if you want to be a husband someday, listen to what God says. This is what he tells you to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This marriage relationship that God ordained and the covenant that he planned for us is one that brings fulfillment, purpose, and meaning to our life. And the only way it can happen is for God to work in you, Jacob, to work through you and for you to understand that love is of God, from God, and it only exists in God. And the only way you could ever love her like that is by him. No doubt about that. Jesus did everything for us, brother. Everything. He did everything. We're not talking about a to-do list that Daniela puts together for you. We're talking about what God did for us. Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us. It says in the word of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? So you see, God's love is poured out on us. Not in a recipient manner of how we do or perform for him. He loves. So he's saying, Jacob... You look at this lady that stands here in front of you. And he says, Jacob, I want you to love her with that kind of love. And that is true love. Been modeled by God for us. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Danielle, in that very same chapter, the most misquoted, misused verse in the Bible is, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Everybody everybody out there in the world knows those words, and it's been abused by the church. It's been abused by men. It's been abused in our culture. But when you look at the context of God's word, God is good to his word, and he's amazing, and what he says is truth. See, it doesn't end right there. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord, right? It says this in that scripture, as you do to the Lord. It's not just wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. There's that part that people always leave out, right? So the understanding of what we just heard, it's in that same section of scripture, right? The challenge to the man to love you like Christ loves the church. He's giving us that absolute picture of what that relationship with God looks like. We see that Jesus did everything for us. Then we have to respond to that. So the submission of the wife to the husband is a response to the love that is being modeled as he's given himself up for your benefit. Right? So it's the receiving of something. See, that submission is what allows us to receive all that he has to offer. That's pretty awesome. See, it's not a doormat thing. It's relationship, and it means love. And so when we come here today, and you guys are about to swear your vows to each other and, and give yourselves to one another in covenant before God, we're understanding that that's the relationship that he's called us into, and that's what we're doing. Okay? Join just your right hands, which is this one and this one. <laughs> hey, every wedding's the same. It's okay. <laughs> we do know our right from our left, but we have other things in our mind right now, so you're good. All right? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's totally okay. He has an advantage because he was already holding there, so we're good. 
I'm going to ask you a series of questions here, Jacob. I want you to look at this lady in front of you, and at the end of that, those questions, I'll ask you for your response. Jacob, will you have this woman to be your wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep you only unto her as long as you both shall live? If so, please say, I do. Daniela, will you have this man to be your wedded husband? To live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony. Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health and forsaking all others? Keep you only in him as long as you both shall live. If so, please say, I do. I do. Yeah. It's okay. We're, you know, we're uh, pretty casual. You guys can clap and all that. I don't care. They don't mind. That's awesome. We're going to have you guys swear a covenant together. And so, Jacob, I'm going to ask you first, as you look at her, I'll give you the words that you will say to her. I, Jacob, take you, Daniela, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold, from this day forward, for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness and in health, love and to cherish, till death do us part. Daniela, I, Daniela, take you, Jacob, to be my wedded husband, to have and to hold. From this day forward, for better or for worse, for rich or poor, sickness and in health, love and cherish, till death do us part. All right. Didn't even ask you beforehand, but you guys have rings for each other? All right, we'll get those. <laughs> All right. Good deal. <laughs> These rings that you guys hold in your hands are made of precious metal, and each of them is a circle unbroken. Let your love be unbroken through all your earthly days. Guys, they're a covenant and a token of something that we're pledging with God and one another today. Whenever you're apart, they're reminders because they're with you that I belong to someone. They're also a testimony. Tell all the world you belong to someone. It's there for you, and it's a symbol of that love that you have for each other and that God has brought you together. So would you place those rings on each other's finger? That would be the left hand this time. Very good. <laughs> she can. There you go. You got it. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You can go ahead and place that on his finger. Yeah. But that's his right hand. So how about the left hand? <laughs> yeah. It's all good, buddy. <laughs> We love each other through mistakes in life, right? You know, it just happens. It's all good. So he had the advantage on the first time. She did on the second time. We're all good. <laughs> I want to pray for you guys. Would you put your hands together? Would you join me in prayer, church? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. and We lift up this man and this woman before you. And God, as you see them today, they are no longer two. You see them as one. You brought them together. I pray you would unite their hearts their intentions. May they be pure and holy. May they walk before you as an example to this generation of what love is, what unconditional grace that you have for us, God, and how you bring our lives together. We ask you to give them peace and strength and encouragement as they face the challenges that are awaiting them. For Lord, they're real. So is your love and your strength. I pray a blessing over them and their children and their home. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Oh, hang on a minute.
We didn't, we didn't give you that. <laughs> it's okay. Anxious. You can do that. You can hold hands still. We're going to have an official pronounced kiss in a moment, okay? <laughs> it's okay. We're all good. You can jump the gun. I don't mind. For as much as Danielle and Jacob have promised together in the presence of God and all of y'all and the whole wide world and the web, we now pronounce them husband and wife, those whom God has joined together, let no man separate. Sir, you may now kiss your bride. Go. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Anderson. There you go. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Congratulations, guys. All right. So now, if you want to just stay here, we'll bring the kids up, and we'll bring uh, Kelly and uh, the other guy there. Come on, Nicholas. Bring them guys up here. Sorry. Hey, we got a lot going on up here. My mind is uh, on everything that's going on, so we're going to do this. You guys just come on up on the platform and stand here, and you guys can... Uh, who's got your kids? Where are they? Oh, okay. You know what? Um... We'll do this one, and we'll get you guys when you come back. Go get them. This one. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's just been a lot going on today, you know? It's awesome, isn't it? Yes, Kelly, Nicholas, and Abigail. I know. I said Abigail. I didn't even look at the screen. Amen. That's what it matters. So, so guys, I want to uh, challenge you as you stand here today, you know, last week in the message and then also this week in the devotional I talked about the fact where Moses' mom had to put him in that basket and set him in the river and just kind of step back and be like don't know what's going to happen but can't control it Right. Okay. so here you are with this little princess in your hands and it's like you know we want to protect them Kelly, Nicholas, Dave everybody in this room we've gone through some stuff in our life and we want to protect her from all that you know We've had things happen to us. The world is a difficult place and sin and brokenness. And so as a parent, we're like, I want to protect this child. But the reality is we know that we can't keep them from everything out there. And so there comes that moment where we as parents, which is what we're doing today, we're like placing her in the little basket and saying, God, I can't always be there. I'll be everything I can be. And God's called you to be a godly example and a witness to this little girl. But we can't do everything and be everywhere. Only God can. And so as we bring them for dedication, we're saying, God, I, I understand you're the one, so I trust you fully to be there when I can't be. Amen. And so as God took care of Moses, God will take care of Abigail. He will. Doesn't mean everything will be easy, but he will always be with her. Now, guys, as parents, we are challenged to live the faith, to be men and women of integrity and of God, and to raise this little girl up in understanding of who God is in her life because she will ultimately have to make a decision as she grows if God will be her God or not. And what we want as parents and what God asks us to do is live in such a way that it would be a normal thing for her to absolutely know who he is, understand who Jesus is and what a relationship with him looks like because you've lived it in front of her. A huge challenge to you guys. See, it's not just that I'm giving you my baby. It's like, Lord, here's the child that you gave us. Now we, in turn, will be the parents you've called us to be as we serve you together. So the challenge is not just to her, it's to you. Church, it's not just to them, it's to us. As a community of believers, we don't have control of everything that we do, the influence that we may have. We don't even understand 
anything about tomorrow. All we know is today. And maybe today it's the very first time you ever met Kelly and Nicholas and Abigail. But you don't know what the future holds or the influence you may have <laughs> in her life, right? So I want you to hear me because I say this at every one of my things. And I did it in the other service because we had dedication there. I was a little boy going into church, and Vincent Palmer was a guy that I think he was a retired man. I don't even know. He was an old guy, probably my age now. <laughs> but as a little kid, I just remember this old guy standing at the back door and shaking hands. And I was a little boy, and he shook my hand and said, you have a handshake of a preacher. As a kid, I thought he was crazy. You know, I didn't like, what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> what are you talking about? And as a kid growing up, the last thing in the world I ever wanted to be was a pastor. My father was one. I didn't even want to serve God. I wanted to be away from the church. That was Dave. But see, God, as he shook my hand, you know, God was doing something that I had no clue about. And so when that happened, God was doing something. And later, as I became a pastor in my adult life, come on up, guys, bring your kids on up. As I became, you can come on up, yeah. As I became a pastor, God reminded me of that because I had long forgotten that. I was just a kid. But God reminded me of that handshake in that moment of my life, and it impacted me. As we're gathered together today, I realize, you know, like we don't know the influence that we will have or the impact that God may use for me and you in the lives of these kids, but God is and He will. Please know that. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. <laughs> It's okay, buddy. We're going to pray over you anyway. All right. So, at church, this is what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray over them and their babies. And, uh, excuse me, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for coming up, dude. We're glad you're here. In his Chargers jersey. Yes, that's okay with me. I don't care. I'm a Lions fan, and I already know I'm they're terrible. I don't care. Don't care about them. You know, they're going to lose anyway. It's no, all they're good. Not. Yeah. No, they're not. What if they have a good year? That doesn't happen. All right, so let's go back. <laughs> I'm, I'm very confident about their inabilities. So <laughs> let's concentrate on what we're doing here. All right, we're going to dedicate these babies to the Lord. We want you to join together with us as we do so, and we anoint them. And so, Abigail, we're going to anoint you, and we're going to dedicate you to the Lord. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God, we just give Abigail to you. Today, Lord, as we bring her to you, we present her, God, as the gift that you've presented to Nicholas and Kelly. And Lord, we just ask you to use her all the days of her life. May she just seek you and follow you and make an impact on the kingdom of heaven. No matter what this world thinks of her, God, let her be a warrior for the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. You can clap. All right, buddy. So we have here, uh, I mean, obviously you already met Jacob and Daniela, but you have the little guys here that, uh, Laurel and Dylan. And so since Dylan wants to run around, hey bud, come here, give me a high five, dude. Come here. Can you give me one of these? Come on. And then there you go. Stay right here for a second. Come here. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we give Dylan to you, Lord. We ask you to use him all the days of his life. May he make an impact for the kingdom of heaven, Lord. We ask you to use him, Lord, and use that energy for your kingdom, Lord, and just bless him and protect him all the days of his life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. Good job, dude. Give me one of these. Come on. Give me one of them. How about a pound? You got it. Way to go, buddy. Success.
<laughs> Got to meet them on their terms, right? And where they're at. Oh, she was smiling away, aren't you? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So Thank this you. is what I wore when I was a baby. My grandma made it. Oh, and so that's it's awesome. Cool. It is. Her grandma made this, if you didn't hear, and she wore that when she was dedicated. So very cool. So awesome. <laughs> smiling away. We're going to dedicate you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God, what we're asking is that you would use her all the days of her life and that, God, she would make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. No matter what the world thinks, it doesn't matter. It's all about what you do. Use these little hands and these little feet yes. to do the work of the kingdom, Lord, and bless and protect her all the days of her life. I pray that you just help Jacob and Daniela to be men and women of God, to raise her up, to understand who you are, Lord, in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. Guys, we have some... Uh, dedication stuff over here and Bibles for you. We can get that afterwards. And uh, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, dude. You head on out. There you go. Woo-hoo. Yeah. God is good. He is always, always good. All right. So you guys are like, wow, man, isn't it time for lunch? Not yet, but almost. Or breakfast or wherever you're at. See, God's so good to us on the timing here. It's only like 10 to 12 like, I'm roasting, I'm sorry, but I had weddings and the dedication, so I was trying to dress nice, but this is as far as I'm going, don't get nervous. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry for the way I look, but I can't take it anymore, I'm dying here. So last week we studied in the scriptures about conviction and beliefs, right? And we were looking at what God had to say to us in the scripture, and how the Christian church has endorsed specific beliefs, and they are statements of faith across the Christian world. So all churches that are Christian and follow Christ agree to and hold to these basic biblical truths that are founded in God's word that have to do with our relationship with him. And they are our convictions and our beliefs and they are cross Christian beliefs. So we went through the ones that we have here at CFF. If you remember that, right? Y'all know we did that last Sunday. That was only a week ago. Yeah, I couldn't even remember if the baptism was last week, so I get it. But this is where we're at, right? We're talking about the beliefs that we have that are called Christian beliefs. But why do we believe what we believe? Why is it that we believe the Christian beliefs and those statements or articles of belief that are accepted across Christendom? We have to have an understanding of why we believe what we believe. The reason is, is because we know what is truth because God is truth and His Word is truth. And so the beliefs that we have are taken in God's word from God's word and they are standard beliefs across Christendom because church, God has given us a standard and his standard is truth. And so you and I have to live to God's standard of truth. We live in a world that understands that you have a truth and I have a truth and they have a truth and everybody's truth is good enough for them. But see, the world doesn't understand because they don't have a relationship with God that that doesn't work and that's not truth. Because you have a truth and I have a truth that they're not equal, then they're not a truth. Somebody's wrong. Right? We agree with that? See, it's not a matter of you and me accepting our own truth. It's a matter of knowing who God is because God is God. He's the creator of the universe. He is truth. And therefore, God himself sets the standard. No matter what you and I want to accept or will accept or what we want to embrace, 
None of that matters because God has said, this is truth. Therefore, the standard is set across the board for every man, woman, and child, every spirit in the spirit world, the angels and the demons and the devil himself. Ladies and gentlemen, God's truth is truth. We can reject it if we want to, but it doesn't change it. So as we look at this, we have to know that what we believe is God's truth, not grandma's truth, not the church truth that I grew up in, not the truth that I enjoy because it makes me feel good about my life. We need to make sure that what we believe is the truth of God and that my life measures to God's truth. God is not here to bend His truth to accommodate your life. He's calling us to something bigger and better. It's His truth. And so as we look at what God says, I want us to understand it's not about how we feel. We were singing songs this morning in our worship, right? We sang a song in there that says that God is working even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Okay, so you see what we're looking at today is the fact that my truth, God's truth that I live by, is not just when I feel like it. I don't always feel like worshiping. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. I don't always feel like a lot of stuff. But you see, God's truth says you will. Therefore, you do. And oftentimes, oftentimes, I'm not going to tell you 100%, but oftentimes when I step into God's truth and my behavior steps into agreement and obedience to God's truth, then all of a sudden I feel like it. You had that experience? See, because my obedience to God's truth is the surrender of self. See, I can follow myself if I want to and like, yeah, God, I just don't feel like singing today. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. You understand. So here's what a lot of Christian people will do in this. They'll be like, well, God understands me. He knows I'm tired. He knows I don't feel like this. He knows I'm aggravated about that. So we're good. No, we're not. See, God is God, and he has a standard of truth, and it does not change, nor does it hinge upon the way I feel in the moment. God is who he is. Truth is what it is. And my life needs to accommodate and change to God's truth, not mine. And so, church, as we look at this, we have to know what God says and what I believe. And I want to know what God says to me so that my beliefs are solid in Him. Because I'm going to answer to Him. I don't trust my grandma to tell me what He's going to do. And I shouldn't. Nor should you. You shouldn't just rely on your church or your pastor or your upbringing to teach you truth. You've got to know truth and you need to know God because He is the one you and I will answer to. Ladies and gentlemen, Isaiah the prophet warned the Israelites as a message from God came through the prophet to the people. Isaiah 29, this is God's word, listen to it. And so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Now, that's not normal terminology for you and I, but that's saying what he is saying to us when it says learned by rote. It's man-made religious activity in worshiping God. So like the leaders of the church, literally, 
of God, the real God, were not following God except in their words. And they had accommodated people to worship God the way they told them to worship God. And the people were worshiping God the way they were told. So they developed this whole religious activity that did not involve God at all. All it involved was lip service to who He was and then their own practices of what they were told what it meant to worship God. So God's warning the people. He's telling them through the prophet, look, there's something more to this. It's not about what you say. It's where your heart is and who I am in this relationship with you. And that relationship doesn't exist between you and I just because you talk about it. Okay. That's a pretty powerful warning that God is giving. And as we're looking at what is truth, God through the prophet warns his people saying like, look, right words are great, but there has to be right actions along with them. The life that you live needs to be the testimony of the words and vice versa. And so if it's not, you're not worshiping God. You're not living for God. You're not being changed by God. You're not in relationship with Him. And God Himself is the one that says that, not a church. Amen? You see? God is the one that's saying it. God's saying, like, unless the life measures the proclamation of who I am, then there is nothing there. And it doesn't matter even if you engage in worship. Church, we can go through the actions without Him. We can do church without God. Churches are doing it everywhere. We can do church without Him because we already know the routine. We have a routine. I'm not speaking against routine. We have a normal process of what we do. Y'all know what we do. We have a countdown. We have a video. If you're not here when we start, that's the way it starts, just so you know. Uh, But anyway, so we do this countdown, five minutes, then, yeah. Boom, here comes the video. The lights go out. Time to start. After the video, worship leader, today was Eric, normally invites you, welcomes those online. We're, we're doing this thing, which we didn't do today, welcome online. All right, so now we're doing this. And so as we're going, then we're going to sing a song and another song and another song. Then we're going to stop in the midst of that and have a prayer and ask, invite everyone to give as God has asked you to give. Your time, talents, and resources. There's offering places and then we'll have another song. Then we'll have a prayer and Pastor Dave will come up and he'll do his message. See, we have a routine. And we can do that routine until we all die. But that doesn't mean God's there and that doesn't make church. Nor does that build a relationship with God in and of itself. So as we're looking at what God's saying, he's saying, if it's just man's rules and you're just doing the form that you do and you're just talking about me, but there's no life change and there's no impact outside, then you're just doing something for no reason because I'm not in it. Yeah. So here's the thing. I've shared it with you before. You know this. You read your Bible, Revelation 3. The Laodicean church, the last of the seven churches that Jesus writes a letter through John to. Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, first we have to hear him. And opens the door, we have to let him in. He says, I will come in. And we'll have fellowship one with another. You know what follows that up? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
God's saying to the church, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, let me in. You hold the key. You, church, us, church, me, church, we hold the key to whether we're actually experiencing a relationship with God and having a time of worship of God or if we're just doing church. And the only way we're not going to just do church is to make sure Jesus is with us. And that is us surrendering, opening up and saying, yes, Lord, come on. Come on, this isn't about us. Lord, come on. We need you. Come and move. And so when the Spirit of God moves... God's Word tells us the Holy Spirit brings in conviction, which is what we were talking about last week, right? So conviction isn't all about you being a sinner coming and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. It begins there. But the Holy Spirit continues to convict the believer with that conviction of God's righteousness, right? That's what we talked about last week. So you and I, I mean this in a good way, so don't panic, should always be under conviction, Because the Holy Spirit is working in us to bring us from that broken self, instantaneously saved by God's amazing grace. But now what He's doing is He is healing that broken self into Christ-likeness. And so the Holy Spirit is convicting me and saying, you need to own this truth and let go of your own. Do you know how many things I've had to let go of in my life? You don't want to know. God is still talking to me and He's saying, let go, Dave, let go of that. Let go of that. You don't need that. Hang on to me. Let go. Surrender. It's a life of conviction. Surrender, trust, obedience. That's what it is, church. I want you to know the Christian life is that right there. The whole thing. So as God's speaking through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we talk about that in John 16 if you want to look it up scripturally. When we, when we respond accordingly and we act according to what the Spirit says, see, then that becomes truth. Follow me? Listen. It becomes our truth when we respect, we receive it, respond to it, and begin to act in it. It goes from God's truth to my truth when I act in it. Jesus said so. In John 8, as Jesus is doing the teaching, this is what he says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, do you believe in him? Church, he says to the people who believe in him. Now hear this all the way through because this is powerful and it's from him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Isn't that awesome? See what Jesus is saying right here in the scriptures. As we look at that, it's like, wow, God, that is so amazing. When it look at it, he's saying like, everyone who believes in me, if you remain in me, we're good. We have a relationship. If you remain in me, faithful to my teachings. See, it is the acceptance of who God is and his truth in my life that keeps me in relationship with God. The surrendering of what I think and what I think I know to what God says because He knows. And so in that relationship, He does this. Now check it out. It's an interesting thing that Jesus would make that, that statement and follow it up with, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Think about that. 
If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you see, as we remain faithful to what Jesus teaches, remember what I saw about earlier? Like, you know, some days I don't feel like reading my Bible. Some days I don't feel like praying. But if I remain faithful to what Jesus teaches is that I do that anyway, right? Then he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Guess what I've learned? I've learned that if I do it, no matter how I feel, I do it because God says so. There is truth in that and there is freedom because it is the surrender of myself and the ability for God to move in me because I have given him space to be God. So that truth sets me free. What am I being set free from? Dave. God is setting me free from Dave. It is this transformation of who I am to who God wants me to be, and that is Christ-like. And so I am accepting God's truth no matter how I feel. There's a necessity for me to remain in the truth. To remain in the truth, to remain in Jesus, is to remain in relationship. Therefore, if I don't, I'm not. So, I'm glad you had a relationship with God when you were a kid, so I'm not knocking that. Please hear me right. I'm glad you got baptized when you were younger. But have you remained? See, church, when we read God's word, it's about remaining in, not about something that once happened. You can talk about it all you want to, and great. But if your life isn't in relationship with him that doesn't mean anything god said so not dave this isn't like our theology it's god's word god is saying this to us he's saying like remain in me because the truth is going to set you free you're being set free from what you think you know what you've been told to think and believe You're being set free from all that because what you're being set free from is the stuff the world puts on us and we're entering into this relationship with God that is truth. And man, the truth sets you free. And there's this amazing experience of God when we step into that truth. Man, Jesus is talking to the Jews, the Hebrews, the leaders of the church in John chapter 8, same chapter. Listen to this conversation. As Jesus is talking to them, They make a statement. Here's their statement. Our father is Abraham, they declared. So they were making a statement to Jesus saying, we're God's people because we've descended from Abraham. They knew their heritage. They all knew. They didn't have to wait for the, you know, the dot-com thing that you can find your ancestry, ancestry ancestry.com, right? They didn't have to wait for that. They knew it. It was all recorded. They were like, I got evidence. We're Abraham's descendants. So they were making a statement to Jesus here. We're God's kids because we have a pedigree that says we belong. So they were banking on their own knowledge, their own belief, their own truth to say we're part of God's work and God's kingdom because we're Abraham's descendants. You know how Jesus responded to that? Listen to it. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. (laughs) That's in your face. Say whatever you want about your heritage. Jesus says, no. 
For if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow His example. Hold on a minute. Jesus says your life would show it. It wouldn't be about a piece of paper. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No. You are only imitating your real father. They replied, we are not illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Remember this lip service thing? Remember how God spoke through Isaiah saying like you're saying stuff with your mouth? but your heart's far from me, here's Jesus. Hundreds of years later to the same people descended from the same people. And he's telling them something right here. If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He, was always, he, had, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Friends, this is an amazingly powerful word from Jesus. Church, many people in church today are so rooted in what they believe that if a pastor or teacher or anything else comes and speaks anything contrary to their own belief, they don't want to hear it. And the reason we don't want to hear it is because we recognize the sin in our own life, the lack of obedience to God, and therefore I don't want to hear it because I want to believe what I believe and that I'm okay in what I'm doing. We're not okay if we're not okay with God, just to be clear. I am not telling you to compromise your belief. I'm calling you to know your belief and know that what you believe is what God says because it doesn't matter what I and you believe. It's what God says is truth. That's truth. And if my truth does not align with God's, then my truth is a lie. This is what God was saying. Listen to these people. They're like, hey, we got evidence. We are. And he's like, nope, you don't. Nope. I don't care what you think you know. I don't care what you declare you know. I don't care what evidence you can bring up. Here's the truth. If you're not living for me and knowing who I am and living in that obedience, you're not. No matter what kind of documents you bring up. Church, hear that in your soul today. Your relationship with God is not based on your convincing of God or self that you are right. What is a relationship with God is a life of obedience to the truth of God. And when you are living in the truth of God, you are in relationship with God. He's amazing. (laughs) See, when God's truth is revealed, conviction follows. So now conviction can be affirmation or uncomfortableness. 
When you're hearing what we're talking about today in God's word, God is either saying, well done, you're in line, you're doing great. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit because he's convicting you into the righteousness of God. But see, as the message is going on and there's areas of our life that we're not and we've been kind of negotiating and trying to get God to believe what we believe, the Holy Spirit's making us uncomfortable. And that uncomfortableness is the conviction to bring us to repentance and saying yes to God's ways and releasing mine. So that we understand where we are in this conviction arena of God. Own that. It's not a bad thing. I want God to make me uncomfortable where I'm not right. Even if I don't like the way I feel. I'd rather be uncomfortable in the moment to become obedient than to just live in my own ignorance. Church, if we don't obey God, we become calloused. As we're speaking, I don't want us to get the misconception that we're talking about a uh, performance-based faith or relationship. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Neither is God. So don't go down that road of thinking you're like having to perform to have that relationship. You're not. See, the relationship is based on my surrender to God's truth. And when I surrender to God's truth, then there has to be action that I take about that truth. So the performance is a result of, it's not the thing that gets me there. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's a response to truth. So there is action, but the action in and of itself doesn't create the right relationship. The surrender makes the relationship, and then the actions follow. Because this is what God's saying, live in my truth. Once God reveals that truth to us, we're responsible to live in it. We are responsible to live in that truth. Friends, many of us in the Christian community have had truth revealed to us where God leads us to this moment of surrender. And we don't want to do it. Look, I I want to tell you this, that I'm not like... uh, I'm not a one-and-done guy in the sense of as soon as God brings it up, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do it, you know. (laughs) That's not who I am either, and I'm not saying I'm arguing or wrestling with God, but I'm talking to him about what it is that he's asking me of for clarity, understanding on my part, to know that it's God. So there's that little bit of season of not following Dave's emotions, not following something else. I want to know it's God, right? You know what I mean? So there's that little bit of time that it takes. Remember, we were talking about this last week when we turned the hands over. That surrender moment where I stop holding, but I release. This is what I'm talking about. So when conviction comes, there's that time of contemplating the fullness and understanding of the surrender. I did not plan on talking about this today, but I did it in the other service. I will hear because I believe it's from God for us to do this. You've heard me talk about my horse, Joy. I don't own her anymore, thank God. Um, I owned her for several years, bought her. Real fast, I'll tell you that God definitely gave me a dream uh, uh, that I I don't know if I was awake or sleep, honestly, honestly. that I was, I was going to get a new horse. Somebody was going to buy me one, which was an amazing gift from God because I had let go of my other horse when the economy collapsed. God provided him a great home to go to, and I didn't have a horse. And after a couple of years, um, these people said, you know, you've been taking care of our horse. We want to buy you one. And so I was like, I had this whole world in front of me, and Dave's like a, 
he, anyway, it doesn't matter. I just have some things that I like to do, and I'm like a research guy, and I want to know what I'm doing and stuff. And so I didn't know if I was getting a male or a female or what I was going to do, right? Um, gelding or a mare. Um, and so I'm sitting there sleeping and half awake, whatever I was doing. And it was just like a very strong word from God. He said, her name will be Joy. So I was like, okay, so I'm getting a mare. So I wanted a baby. Well, during the economic collapse, nobody bred their horses. There were no babies available. If they bred them, they were already spoken for because things were tight, man. It wasn't a time. So I was like, well, I can't get a baby because there was none available. I mean, I looked across the country, literally, and I'm like, okay, so now I'm looking for a female. So here's this horse that I go and see, and I had a hair, I had some history with some of her relatives, and it was like, here she is. Her name's Joy. That's the one I'm taking home. We brought her home. Well, I can tell you right now that there were not a lot of, well, I guess I would say I learned to joy through her. That's why God had me get her and, and call her joy. Because she wasn't always joy. She was a challenge. She had her own will. And she could be strong-willed. So one of the things she didn't want to do was get in a trailer. Now, folks, you know, one of the things that's important is a horse gets in a trailer because you've got to take them places. So she's 10 years old, setting her weight. And I'm going to teach her how to get in a trailer. So how do you do that? Well, you just bring them over to the edge. Here's the trailer door that's stepping in. Seeing the, tr the horse is afraid because if they step into a trailer, they, they're fear animals. That's how they live their lives in fear. Seriously. And their response to anything that they are scared of is run. So to step into a trailer is to step in an enclosure that stops them from running. So for a horse to step in the trailer is really a complete surrender of all of their natural tendencies into trusting that you are doing something that they can trust you in. So it's a pretty cool thing. I know if you don't know horses, you know, you probably just see them walk into a trailer. It's like, oh, no, they don't just walk into a trailer. <laughs> they got to learn how to walk into a trailer, and they do that through trust. Okay. So, I, of course, I bring joy to the edge of the trailer. Come on, get in there, baby. You're a good girl. You can do this, Patner, giving all the words of affirmation I can and, you know, saying, like, you, you can trust me and talking to her and giving a little pressure on her head and a little bit of pats on the backside, like, step forward, step forward, step forward, step forward. I don't think so. <laughs> and she steps away. So as soon as she steps away, what I do is bring her right over here and make her run in circles. So I've got her lead rope with her halter on. I'm like, go, 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 go. I want her to sweat. I want her to see like, hey, what I'm asking you to do is I'm going to bring you comfort when you're obedient. But if you continue to do your own thing, you're going to just chase your tail. Okay? So there's the chase the tail. Come on back. Here's what you got to do. Do you trust me? Surrender. No. There we go. Six hours, one day. Six straight hours, I was soaking wet from sweat. She was soaked from head to tail. Running in circles, come on back. Running in circles, coming back. Run into me, get me out of the way. I'm not going in there. I mean, everything happened in six hours. Now, I, I, um, I want you to know that God helps me to have self-control, but inside of me, 
I wanted to end that horse's life. <laughs> I told my wife, I would love to get a can of Elpo and stick it here and say, look, I just want you to know you have an alternative. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'm being, I mean, after five hours of that, trust me, you're like, but you can't react. Like, it doesn't do any good for me to say, you will do what I say and drag her in, Right? It has to be willful surrender because if it's not, there's no relationship. God will never do that to us. God is teaching, He has taught me so much about my own surrender of self, even in that moment where I was like, Joy, no, I don't think so. That's not your name. Not after five hours of this. I got another name for you. <laughs> That's when I named her Elpo. Anyway, so... <laughs> So in seriousness, you know, like, we're doing all this. Now I want you to know, church, see, it wasn't that Dave was trying to say, like, you need to do what I'm telling you. It was like, you need to understand something about our relationship. I know about your future. You have no clue except about the moment. Joy, the only thing you've known is this little pen, this little yard, this little experience of your life. There is so much more awaiting you if you will just surrender. See, because if she stepped in, I would be able to take her places she could never get to on her own. She would never experience the green pastures that are in northern Arizona. She would have never been able to go up into the mountains and feel the cool air. She would have never been able to walk across a stream and a river or experience the things that were awaiting her by only surrendering her own conviction that if I let go, I'm vulnerable. I'm afraid of what that might look like. And God's like, come on, step in. Let go, believe, trust. Man, I can tell you right now that God has brought me to that trailer so many times in my life. And he's like, you going to do it? <laughs> you know that lean in? Like, that's what she would do. Like, lean in. Like, is this good enough? I'm in. You know, keep affirming me. No, he's like, you got to go. I got to be able to take you in and shut the door. See, when they shut the door, it's like, it's final. I believe. Church, I want you to hear this. Whatever truth we choose to believe, our life will align with it. Some of us as Christians have been chasing our tail and we can't get past this place that we're living in our life and we're frustrated in our relationship with God and we wonder why. I can tell you why. It's because God has brought you to a place of surrender over and over and over again and we won't do it. And so we'd rather chase our tail than say yes to God. Stop holding on to what you believe and let go and let God be God. When you surrender and say yes to Him, you will experience new life and the truth will set you free amen, amen. god is good isn't he amen. oh yeah god you're so good first timothy 4 now the holy spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead church do you hear that there's a warning from god saying that people of faith will believe lies and myths because they come to deceive us and they feed the flesh and they lead us from the truth of who God is. We've got to know what we believe, church, and know why we believe it because we've surrendered to God's truth in our life. You will never be led astray. 
When you are obedient to the Holy Spirit, you will not be receptive to lying spirits that are of the demons. We must know the truth of God and live in it. Remaining in the beliefs of God's word. Jesus said, if you remain, right? James 3, last verses, I think. Yeah, they are. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. I love James. I tell everybody, people say, I read the Bible, I don't understand it. I say, have you ever read the book of James? You're not going to need any commentaries or dictionaries or any pastors or any teachers to talk to you. Read the book of James. You'll know exactly what's coming at you. He doesn't mess around. It's God's word, plain and simple. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Isn't that awesome? Oh, so I'm supposed to do the truth, live the truth, know what truth is. And as I do the things that I do, yeah, it all works perfectly. (laughs) So cool. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. So don't just live your life in saying stuff and then not doing it. He's saying when you have a right relationship with God... Your life will be honorable. You're going to do the things God asks you to do, which is the good work for the kingdom. You're going to do it in humility. And in that, you will receive the wisdom of God. In other words, you're going to know truth. That's what's going to set you free. But if you don't want to, you can live in this jealous, broken place. And nothing will come up. And you can lie about who you are. And you can deceive yourself. You can boast about how spiritual you were. We're Abraham's descendants. Say whatever you want. But if you're not living in that truth, you don't got it. Church, it's so plain and simple. Our a belief will affect our living. Amen. Amen. Are you a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? Yes. First action step. Second one, what truth are you needing to align your life to? See, what God truth do you need to align your life to? Are you seeking to know God's truth to align your life? Or are you looking for truth that will align to your life? It's a big difference. What is it that God's talking to you about now? Would you stand with me? The altar's open. This is what we say if you want to come and do business with God. If the conviction of the Spirit is moving you, please come forward to do whatever it is that God's talking to you about. Again, this altar's not just for sinners to come and repent and be saved, although it can be that. The altar is an invitation place for us to come and surrender to God and saying yes to what the Holy Spirit is talking to us about, that we might step into the fullness of the the, the truth of who He is and what He's dealing with me about. So please, God, the Spirit of God is moving you. Move with Him. He loves you. He's amazing. Thank you for those of you that are here. Thanks for those of you online, those in your seats, whoever you are, wherever you are, you need to line up to God's truth, please. God is pleading with you. I'm begging you. Father, come to you today in the name of Jesus. We want to know you. God, we want to move in your spirit. We want to be right with you in every way. God, wherever we are in our walk with you, reveal the next step in the truth of who you are that we might step in. Take us to new places in our walk with you. God, I want to experience all that you have for me. I don't want to be content where I am. 
a holy discontent, God, of moving forward in who you are, who you are in my life, who you are as my God. Our church, your church, that meets here under the name of Christian Faith Fellowship, God, we're asking you to take us to new places. Lord, we don't want to be content in what you did last week or who we were last week. We don't want to have our own identity. We want to own your identity. We want to be your church, God, your church. We ask you to move in us. Make us discontent where you want changes. Reveal your truth to us, God. We want to step into it in fullness. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you. those that are at the altar, you guys just stay here as long as you need to and whatever God's saying to you. If you guys are ready to go, God bless you. Have an amazing day with him. He loves you. Be his ambassadors out there. The world needs Jesus. They need to see him in your life. Let's go be the church, eh? God bless you. Amen? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God is good. Thank you, Jesus.